0: Good morning, everyone. This is Good Friday. It is a remembrance, not of a fairy tale or fictitious story, but an actual moment in history, a Friday, a day in the week of the calendar. And on this day, Jesus hung between two thieves. He had already been beaten and whipped, his body probably beyond recognition, as they tore into his flesh. Then he was taken to a hill called Golgotha, where they drove spikes into his hands and feet to attach him to a cross. And so Jesus hung, naked and bloodied. And as they said, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. And this is Good Friday? How can something so dark be called good? Jesus had told his disciples that he was going to die and he told them he was going to die in this manner, a crucifixion, but it did not compute for them. And so when the time came and the Roman soldiers came to take him, they scattered, and the most outspoken of them, Peter, denied Jesus. Not once, but three times. This was a great deconstruction. Their vision of what it meant to follow Jesus, the disciples' perspective of what is Christian, was being dismantled. Their idea was of rule and domination. Not this. And ironically, in the, in the days leading up to Jesus' crucifixion, the disciples were jockeying for position, talking amongst themselves, who was the greatest? While their master was setting his face like flint to go to Jerusalem to lay his life down, they were jockeying to exalt theirs. And now it had all unraveled, or so it seemed In Isaiah chapter 55, God speaks to his prophet and says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's difficult for me to be too hard on the disciples, especially when I see sometimes my own reaction to those moments of of difficulty and trial and uncertainty and darkness when you don't know what God is doing and it's difficult to trust. It's not only others that struggle and have their blind spots to what God is doing. And so often it's later that we see the, the wonder and the magnificence, the otherworldness of God's wisdom and working. We heard some scriptures read to us this morning and those were penned by the followers of Jesus in the aftermath. Later, they got it. Oh, that's what God was doing on the cross. See, in the moment, in the critical moment, it seemed like a catastrophic loss, but the unseen reality was eternal victory. And this is something for us to get for our lives today, something the Good Friday would not want us to miss. When it looks the darkest, sometimes God is doing his greatest work. In Philippians chapter 2, it outlines to us the the wonder of God becoming man in the person of Jesus Christ and how he didn't grasp for power but he laid aside his power to become one of us and to take on the form of a servant and be obedient to his father. Even as he struggled in the garden of Gethsemane, giving up his will for the father's will to go to the cross. But then it also goes on to show us that this crucifixion, this way of death was a doorway For his resurrection to come and the exaltation of Jesus as Lord over all, given a name above every name to which every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God was working. And there's so much to what he was doing on the cross. And some of that has to do with our greatest need. You know, most of us have an idea of, oh, what What the problem is in our lives and and in the world. And if we could just fix that problem, everything would be made right. For the disciples, the problem was Rome. But Jesus came to solve a bigger problem. A problem within. This last week, I had the privilege to be in a conversation with people who work with peacekeeping and humanitarian aid in different places in the world, especially uh, from the Middle East, not all Christians, not all people of of my faith. And we were discussing, and they were telling me, coming from Afghanistan, Yemen, Tunisia, uh, Kashmir, how difficult it has been to get help and aid to those people who are in dire need not because there aren't willing people who, and countries who want to help get, get aid to them, but because of the corruption that stops it from getting to those who need it most. And as we were having a discussion, I said, that's because the greatest problem is within. It's within us. And they talked again about other situations and the problem and the corruption. And we came back to it again. The problem is within us. The Bible calls that sin. And the cross has very much to do with Jesus addressing the problem of sin. Sin has separated us from God. Ah, Sin derails good. Sin has a power that keeps us from doing the right thing, even when we know what the right thing is to do. And I know for some of us, it we don't want to hear the word sin. It's not positive. It's not a feel-good message. But from Scripture's perspective, the cross only makes sense when it's the problem that Jesus came to solve. We heard read to us this morning, the last verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, for our sake... God, he made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be made sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. The physical brutality of the crucifixion and what Jesus endured on the cross is a window into the greater agony, the spiritual reality, the horrific Reality of the one who is holy, him who knew no sin, becoming sin for us, taking upon himself our sin so that the problem could be dealt with. And we, as undeserving as we are, might become the righteousness of God. That is, that we could could be made right with God and that God would see us through his son Jesus as being all right, as even in Christ's perfectness, that is attributed to us. And just like the problem of sin is beyond our comprehension, so the solution that God brought is far beyond our our thinking and our mindset. The the extent, the, the gravity of what God has done for us on the cross through Jesus Christ to make us made right with him, to free us from sin's guilt and shame and punishment, to free us from the power of sin, and one day for us to be free from the very presence of sin. This is why he came. That we might be with him forever without the presence of sin. If you are a believer this morning, can you believe this to be true of yourself? That you're not just forgiven, that God sees you in Christ's perfectness. And that He's given you His Holy Spirit available to you to allow you to live in the righteousness of God, in His right ways, with a future when we will live in His unshielded, perfect presence. That is for us because of the cross. It is nothing less. In that light, this is Good Friday. This is truly good. For the followers of Jesus in the aftermath, the place of greatest doubt becomes the place of greatest confidence, because it was for love that God did this. All for love. Paul writes in Romans 8, when we consider this, can anything separate us from God's love? Nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing, fill in the blank for yourself, whatever it is that's, that's your challenge, that's your difficulty, that's your uncertainty, where your doubt lies, place it there. Nothing can separate us from the love of God communicated to us through his son, Jesus Christ, when he gave his life for us on the cross. This morning we are going to respond to what God has done for us by sharing in Christ's communion. And as what God was doing at Easter has multiple layers to it. So our response in doing this should be so. I want to recommend to us three things as we take communion this morning. First of all, to give thanks. As you think about all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus... Let your heart soar with gratitude for what he's done for us, the freedom that he's purchased purchased for us, the, the future that he has bought for us. Let there be thanksgiving. Secondly, receive. Jesus is the God who bleeds for us. If he went to all this trouble on the cross for our forgiveness of sins, Don't let yourself wallow in guilt and failure. Things from the past. Receive his forgiveness. And just as his body was broken, know that it was broken for you. Receive his wholeness. Some of you today, I would just love it if you would receive healing, actual physical healing as we participate in communion today. That by his stripes you are healed would become your possession this morning. Receive from God today his wholeness and finally surrender. In communion we remember how Jesus laid down his life for us. How he gave up his will and surrendered to the Father in order to be obedient and go to the cross. As we reflect on that, we become part of the story. As we participate in the, in the bread, which represents Christ's body broken for us. As we drink the cup, which represents his blood shed for us. We enter into that, and as Jesus surrendered to the Father, so we surrender to him. Whatever it is that, that you need to surrender, an opinion, you know, your, your opinion, your trouble, your shame, your past... Your dreams, your life, your family, your children, your spouse. That this could be a place of surrender. God, once again, I give it all to you as you gave yourself your all for me. We're going to sing a song of reflection and I'm going to come back up and I'll instruct us on how we're going to take communion. But even as you hear this song, let your mind think on that. Give thanks. Receive today and surrender.